So my husband's a great man, and he's going to bring the word. So everyone say, yay, big cheer for my husband. Yeah. Cheers, guys. I want to start by saying, um, well, firstly, I heard Thursday night was just awesome. Who was here Thursday? That was really, really cool, I hear. Really good. So congratulations, Paula. Congratulations, God. God's doing good, good, good stuff here, isn't he? Also, I had a chance to listen to Major Steve Metcher from last Sunday. Who was here last Sunday? Not me, sorry. It was a lie. It was not me. I just went with Simon Says. I just stuck in my hand. That was awesome. Now, do you, if you haven't heard it, seriously, I listened to it on the podcast. Paula said you got to cheer. And it was, a, it was great. It was a really good sermon, a really good sermon. He talked about stickability and availability and he talked about the guys that took his mate to see Jesus and he got healed because of his mate's faithfulness and stickability and availability. If you haven't heard it, you can hear it on the podcast um, that's downloaded on Riverway Salvos and it's also on iTunes. So really, really, uh, really, really worthwhile if you want to listen to that. I want to talk to you this morning. I actually changed what I wanted to talk to you this morning. I had this idea um, and it was um, a cause worth dying for. That was my thought, you know, to get you all pumped up. You know, I wanted to get you pumped up, get you all crazy-eyed, Christian crazy-eyed, go out there to change the world, you know, jihad for Jesus or what. You know, no, no, well, not really like that. Can we, can we edit the jihad thing for, for <laughs> iTunes? That may not go over well. But... Um, I started to think about it. You know, there are people all over the world that are willing to die for a cause. And, and the cause is, doesn't have to be that great. Like, you know, you get ISIS and the Paris bombings and Boston, all those sort of things. People are willing to die for a cause. You know, I love you so much, I die for you and all that sort of stuff. But I started to think that's actually not right. So I changed my mind and I, I threw away that idea. And um, I actually adjusted it to living for a cause worth dying for. Because um, you and I have been bought with a price. Your, your life is valuable, not just to you, but to others around you. We're a community. We build off each other. We share off each other. I was talking to Stu earlier that, um, you know, like when I, I imagine it's almost like a rugby scrum. And uh, Steve could tell me more because your son's a footy player, aren't you? You know, family of footy. Like a scrum where when I'm down, my mates are holding me up, you know. Uh, when, when you're down, I'm holding you up. It's, we take turns. So, but we're a community and, and we're here for each other. And um, life isn't cheap. Your life isn't cheap. Your life is valuable. You've been bought with a price and it's for you. Jesus died for you. And I don't know how you value yourself, but I go, I'm certainly not worth Jesus dying for me in my eyes. But because, you know, I look at some of the stuff I've done. But the Bible tells me that, that it was while I was a sinner. So the worst of what I've done. It was while I was doing the worst, grubbiest stuff, that's when Jesus died for me. He, he, didn't, he didn't wait for me to get cleaned up and to come to church, you know? That's not when Jesus died for me, when I've got it together. Well, he did, but he doesn't wait for that. He died for me while I was a sinner. Has anyone seen the movie Dave? 
my, my dad keeps quoting this line to me over and over again. And um, there's, Dave's a story about this. The president gets sick, he, he, something happens anyway. And, and to stop disruption in the government, they pull in another guy who looks exactly like him. And uh, so this guy who looks exactly like him, he's chatting to the bodyguard and he's like, so like, you protect the president. Yeah, 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 to protect the president. I protect the president. Yeah, that's my job. Can you edit that bit out as well? That's a bit shabby. Um, and he said, so if someone was going to shoot the president, you'd take a bullet for him. He said, man, I'd take a bullet for the president. He said, so you'd have to take a bullet for me then. And you see, you can see the line, you see the guy like, oh, like, but you're not the president. You're like, oh, I'd have to take a bullet for you. I'm not sure about that one. And the classic line is, um, this guy's such a good president, he's a good man. And he, he leads well, but um, his time they make it so that, you know, the president dies and he does die anyway. But um, this guy, this fake guy walks off into the, you know, into the background scene and, you know, he, anyway. But um, there's this final scene where he's just about to leave and be forgotten into anonymity again. And um, the bodyguard says to him, does anyone know the line? Paul? No? I'd take a bullet for you. Great line. So I think of us in terms of that, that Jesus didn't just say he'd take a bullet for us, he actually did take a bullet for us. You are worth it. So I wanted to talk to you this morning about living for a cause worth dying for. And to do that, if you've got your Bibles there, you can look it up. Um, But I want to talk about a guy that really knew how to live for a cause worth dying for, Paul, the Apostle Paul, one of the, the greats of Christianity. This guy knew how to live for a cause worth dying for. The, no one had been, oh, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone that had been beaten, imprisoned, bashed, um, suffered, starved, like, as much as Paul. And, and it, it just doesn't faze him. In fact, it drives him even stronger and um, he, he just, you know, he's, he's just a cool guy. And um, so if you want to look at a guy who is actually driven that Christian crazy eyes for Jesus, Paul's your man. And so he writes this letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 starting, I'm actually going to start a bit earlier uh, at verse 5. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, he says, I remember, he's talking to Timothy, sorry, He's talking to his mate Timothy and he's like a son to him. He's like a son to him and they're split by uh, geography. He says this, I remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you, young Skywalker. No, he didn't say that. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either. Even though I'm in prison for, you, for him, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. 
And now he has made all of this plain to us by appearing by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, as an apostle and a teacher of this good news. This is why I am suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. This is the part. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that he has entrusted to you. Carefully guard the precious truth that he has entrusted to you. Now, I've got a little gift here. I actually had in my mind... um, a corny little LED uh, thing, the LED gift present thing with lights and stuff that my mum gave me, which is really kitsch. But I couldn't find it. In fact, I think I've either chucked it out or left it somewhere on purpose. Um, but I really wanted it. I was looking for it last night and I'm like, oh, I'm sure I chucked that out. Anyway, a present. God has given us a present. And not everyone in this room, I'm aware has accepted this present, but it's a free gift for all of us. And if I was going to go around the room, in fact, I wonder, like, what does the present mean to you? If you've experienced God's gift to you, I wonder what it means. Feel free to call out. Redemption, peace, hope, forgiveness, life abundantly, eternal life. Freedom, love, faith, joy. I reckon if I went round the room and asked everyone who knew God and had experienced God, we'd have kind of a different take on, on what the present meant to us. Paul tells us, he says... Um, these two things about the gift that um, he's talking about the gift. He says, one, when we receive the gift that God has given us, it transforms us. One, it transforms us. But two, um, it shows us the way to eternal life. So it shows us the way to live and it shows us the way to eternal life, to really live, not rules and 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 things you have to do and stuff like that it shows you life because jesus says i come to give you life an abundant life just not not rules and and regulations that you have to follow because you're going to get in trouble if you don't come to give us life that we you know you actually do stick to the rules but because you want to you want to see things proper and it also says it promises you eternal life it's a hard one to explain. What does that really mean? Because there's an extra part that it's an individual part. And it's, if you ask, like, as you go around the room and ask people, what does it mean? It's something individual for all of us. But the thing, I see it like Paul says, fan the flame. It's like a fire. 
until you've experienced a fire, if you've never experienced heat or a fire or anything like that, touching a flame, I couldn't explain to you what it's like. But when you touch a flame, you know. You know what it's like. And you, you are changed by it. You cannot touch a naked flame and hold your hand on it and not be transformed. You can't be changed. And it's an experience that you'll never forget, I am sure. And it's the same when you meet Jesus and you accept this gift into your life. You are transformed. You are changed. It, it, you, are, you can never forget that, that, that experience of Jesus as he changes your life and transforms you forever. I... Um, I feel a bit ashamed to admit this, but uh, many, 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 many months ago, uh, I joined the gym. I could have easily stood before you a transformed man. But uh, I have to admit, and this is the part that is quite shameful, even though I've been paying my weekly amount to Jet Fitness, Snap Fitness, (laughs) see... That hurts. That hurts. I actually have only been once. So, so although I have the opportunity to be transformed and have all this stuff, I stand before you six or so months later, unchanged, except financially, yes. But I, I've, I've held on to it because I could do it, you know? I could do it. And I see that like Jesus and the stuff that he offers. And you can stay totally unchanged until you accept it and do something about it in your life. I love, I talked to you about Jesus' hot seat moment a couple of um, weeks ago, one of my first ones. Because I thought it's just such a great moment. When Jesus gets to announce himself, like what is all this about? What is, it's not, this is for us, but it's not just for us, you know? This experience here. Is about us, but it's not just about us. You know, there's a wider world out there, which is all of God's creation, all of his children, and he cares about us and he cares about them. Even the ones we don't like, the ones that annoy us, the ones that cut us off in traffic. He cares about them. So it's not, it's about us, but it's not just about us. So when Jesus gets to announce what he's here for, his purpose, he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's the year of the Lord's favor. It's an eternal thing now. It started then, it's continuing to happen and it will be completed at some point later. The year of the Lord's favor. It's transforming because you know what? We're called to be Christ-like. So the Spirit of the Lord is on you because he has anointed you to preach good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. And he has sent you and anointed you to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love that because it's not about me. It's awesome. This is the year of the Lord's favor and we get to proclaim that. We're not just 
asked to do the task. He says, I anoint you for the task, which means he equips you. He gives you everything you need. He blesses it and says, I'm so proud of you. I want to see you transform the world. I trust you. And Paul, so, so Paul's writing to Timothy and says, in fact, you've been entrusted with this sacred truth. You've been entrusted with it. And he says to do two things with it. Firstly, he says, guard it. Guard it. Protect it. I went on a uh, mission trip to South Africa. South Africa. And uh, I went, I, um, when I was over there, I had a mix-up with my, my credit card because I decided to take a credit card and I took a few bank checks and that sort of thing. Anyway, and um, while I was over there, I actually couldn't use my credit card, which was the thing I'd had planned on using. And there's a thing with the pins. They have five pins or four pins. And we, anyway, some, something was a mix-up. I think they have five pins and we had four. So my pin number just didn't work. I tried to go into the banks, but I just couldn't make it happen. And I was doing a sort of a mission thing, so I didn't get much time. Anyway, my parents wired me some money. They wired me $800, which this is like 1995. So it's a significant amount of money. They were retired. Um, significant amount of money. Anyway... I actually didn't spend it. I thought, I'm, not, I'm actually not going to spend it unless I really, really have to, and I decided not to. When I came back, I was living in Toowoomba, and um, when I came back, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to give the money back to mum and dad. I'm not going to keep it. And so it was in the days when you couldn't just get on the computer and type and send the money. You actually had to physically withdraw it from the bank, walk into another bank, and physically hand it to them. So $800. So I'm in my little Ford Escort. It was a great little car, but that's diverting. Um, so I'm in my Ford Escort. I got my wallet. I get out of the car, and I walk about 100... You were there. Walk about 100 metres to get to the bank, and I get there, and I go, Oh, no. I'd lost my wallet between the car and the bank. So I'm looking everywhere for this thing. I look in my car. I pretty much take the car apart, like almost physically, like undo the seats and everything. I, I lost $800. For me as a student, I, I couldn't repay that. I, that was done. So I had to call my mum and dad and say, I've lost the money and I, I can't pay it back. Just impossible to pay back. But um, I didn't guard it good enough. $800 is nothing in comparison to what God has offered to us the riches of what he's offered to us. And Paul says, we have to guard it. I'm so excited at the stuff that's happening here. I got to experience, you know, the youth on Friday night. Can I just tell you, that is just phenomenal. 35 kids. But how many of those kids are church kids? 12. Like, I'm serious. These kids are rough kids. Some of them rough, aren't they? Like... The impact you guys are making is just incredible. We got Cafe Church on Monday and Tuesday. There's so much stuff happening out here. Men of Honor. The oh, sorry. Um, TNC. I, t I would just encourage you that some of the stuff here is sacredly precious it's a sacred stuff that god is doing here so i would encourage you to guard it 
guard it with all your strength because if you lose it, you will then look back and go, I, I didn't recognize how precious it was. You, the stuff that's happening here is known in other places because it's just such awesome stuff that's happening here. Guard it. Don't listen to negative criticism. In fact, be, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. I, I will not tolerate, you know, pulling down of Major Beth or the leaders here or any of the leaders that do this stuff. Protect it. Guard it. If you want leaders to run this stuff, protect them. Encourage them. Drive them. You guys are doing a great job. Seriously, sensational. Your leaders are awesome. Don't criticize DHQ and THQ. And that can be hard. I sat on the phone with IT just trying to get a printer loaded up for about an hour. I, I can tell you I may not have said a critical word, but I thought it. <laughs> protect it. Protect it. It doesn't mean hiding it away. It means not allowing the negative stuff to impact it, you know. And he says another thing. Fan it into flame. God has started a spark in you. It's, it's a little flame. And he says, fan it into flame. My cousin Lyndon and I, we went fishing one day. And um, it's down narrow way and it was quite cold. We crossed the river in a little... Um, plastic you know those little kids blow up things <laughs> we cross this the big shoalhaven river and we're on the other side it starts pouring rain i mean pouring it was freezing cold and we'd had i don't know how we had it but we had a little box of matches and uh so we're lighting this fire with wet wood in the absolute pouring rain so we're trying to get this dinghy over. I had one of my mates along with me and he was whinging like nothing else. Holy smoke. It's cold here. Anyway, we're there, my cousin and I. We're trying to find dry bits of anything and we're, we're trying to light it with the few matches that weren't wet. And we eventually get this tiny flame started. Do you know how much we protected that flame? Like seriously, this was the difference between us getting hypothermia and sitting in that freezing rain and we built that flame and we fanned it and we killed, eventually we created a fire so big and we could put big bits of wood on so big that we could pull the dinghy off and the rain didn't put it out. What God has started in you, fan it into flame. Do your devotions. Get up with God. Talk with God. Share your faith. Fan it into flame. Share with each other. Don't be afraid to say, hey, man, I'm struggling. I need you to pray for me. Fan it into flame. Fan it into flame. You know what I like about it? History tells us when we fan it into flame, it spreads like wildfire. You get guys get Colin Studley up, who's... Major Beth's brother, an awesome man. He talks about these revivals and he probably has talked about it in the past and the stuff, but the massive revivals of the world started with literally a handful of people praying together. A little spark that was fanned into flame. The Welsh revival. We have the Welsh choirs because a couple of people got together and prayed and said, God, you have to move in our community. 
it's, it's atrocious out there. There's people being murdered and bashed and it's, it's not shouldn't happen. This is not your kingdom. You said your kingdom was established here and we want to see your kingdom come. So they prayed. So it spread like wildfire. There's stories that people were out at sea on boats just being struck down by the presence of God. It's awesome, mixed stuff. They got the community was so radically transformed by God and a couple of people who prayed and it spread like wildfire. The police had nothing to do. Can you imagine that in Australia? The police having nothing to do? No one to chase? No one to, you know, get warrants for or anything? Nothing to do. So much nothing to do. The judges had nothing to do and they formed a choir. That's how we have the Welsh singing choir. They had nothing to do. What are we going to do? We might as well sing together, you know. Thank goodness they could sing. Wildfire. English Great Awakenings, which we are birthed out of, the Salvation Army is birthed out of. There was three Great Awakenings in England. At a similar time, France had an awakening, not a spiritual one. This was a massacre, a bloodbath. England, peaceful, loving. They decided because as they experienced God that it transformed them, they said, you know what, it's not right that we sell people as slaves. Not good. Not right. They're made in the image of God just like we are. You know, the, the, the community radically transformed. Radically transformed. And the Salvation Army was part of that. You know, people who were, who were poorer and lesser were often discarded. And William Booth came along and said, no, not right. Everyone's equal in God's kingdom and they need a hand up. You know what? And I'm going to do it. Reinhard Bonnke. I talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Reinhard Bonnke saw a million, this is in modern day times, our times, there's a video clip of it if you don't believe it, one million people give their life to Jesus in one go. You had how many? 20. That's awesome. 20 people last Thursday night, talk about protecting, guard them, new faith, 20 people stood up and 20, a million, literally the camera goes around and around and around and as far back as the eye can see, it's night time, as far back as you can see with lights and stuff, there's people. A million people signed to say, yes, this was my first time I've gave my life to Jesus. Brownsville, Pensacola. They invited an evangelist to come and preach. Um, Stephen Hill. God moved. I pray that God would move in their church. So many people came and gave their lives to Jesus. They thought, we'd better follow this up with another meeting next week. So they followed up with another meeting. And then they thought, actually, that was so powerful. More people came. Thousands, like literally thousands of people came. And they were coming every single night. They just said, we better put this on again tomorrow night. And then the next night. Went for years. They had the odd day where they had a break. But for years, and they had over 200,000 people give their lives to Jesus. That's in our time. When we as a people just come together and pray, say, God, move. Move in my life. Move in my community. It spreads like wildfire. Can you imagine Townsville? Oh, God, I would love that. I'm not saying, oh, God, in the swear way. God, God, please move in our lives. It's in Townsville where they go, that's such a radical place they don't even need police there anymore. 
They don't speed anymore. In fact, when they break the law and go at 61 and it's a 60 zone, they send in a check to say, here's my $150, sorry for breaking the law. How good is that place, hey? Fan into flame. Fan into flame the spiritual gift that God has given you. As I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, we can make it so complicated, this, what, what does God want for my life? And where's the future hold? And fan into flame. When you're fanning something into flame, when I was sitting there in the pouring rain, freezing, and I'm fanning that little flame with my breath, with another leaf, whatever, I can tell you now, I wasn't blowing over there. I was blowing where I was. I didn't blow. Onto the flame. And I want to encourage you that wherever you are, doesn't have to be somewhere else it can be right where you are trs or your workplace defense services wherever you are fan it into flame where you are where you are because it's god's world every part of this world is god's world fan it into flame and I, i honestly if you are faithful to where you are you get to where you want to go you really do. If you're constantly looking, you know, I, I don't have a time, to, you know, time to be a part of the youth because, you know, God called me to be a great preacher. You know, so I need to study the word and get into the word. And, you know, so I don't have time for you guys. I'm never going to get there. And I say, you know what? I see the need and that's enough for the call and I'll be faithful to what's happening. And I'm so into it. Paul Geeling, I'm going to end with this. Paul Geeling. Great guy, Brisbane pastor. Um, he wanted to be faith. He, want, he said, God, I want to serve you. I want to serve you. And I don't know where to start. I really, feel, yeah, I really feel called to be a pastor of a church and minister to a church. But I don't know how to get there. But I just want to see your kingdom grow. So you know what he did? He said to his pastor, I see your windows are dirty. Do you mind if I clean them? That's it. For years he cleaned those windows because he said, when I come to church, I want them, the church to look nice for people to come. Faithful to where he was. Fan in a flame. You know what, when that pastor said, I need a youth pastor for my church. Do you know who he picked? Because he said, that man is committed, wants to see the, the kingdom grow and he doesn't care how it happens. And so that youth pastor then became the pastor. And then he's gone on to do other things like planet shakers and blah, blah, blah. But he's faithful to where he is at the time. I don't know what that looks like for you guys. I just encourage you to ask God to just continue that his Holy Spirit would breathe into your life. That you would fan into flame whatever is right there in front of you. So I'm going to ask the team to come back. But I'm just going to give you a couple of options. I know there are people in here who have no idea what a God experience would do in your life. And you're looking going, I, I don't, this guy's talking gobbledygook to me this morning. I don't, I've got no idea. I want to invite you to, if you want to experience it, to come and experience it and just say, God, 
I need to know that you are there. I need stuff to happen in my life and I'm inviting you in right now to my life. I'm inviting you in. And in fact, your prayer might be, God, I just need to know you're real. Just show me you're real. And there's another one too. I know that I let my flame dwindle. So I want to encourage you this morning. Option number two, door number two. That if you know that that is you, that you just come forward and say, God, just breathe. Breathe on me again. God, fan into flame what you started in me. Protect me. Encourage me. Breathe on me, God. And God, we will come faithfully because we want you to work in our lives and we want to see your community transformed. So God, right now as this worship team plays, we are going to respond to you. We are going to make a choice to respond. We want you to either begin something in us or we want you to fan it into flame. What you started, fan into flame. We are sorry for all those times we have neglected this great gift of yours and we haven't protected it enough. And we want to repent of that. But we want to come right now and give our lives to you once again. So if that's you, if you want to just, you know, I sometimes get driven by a cause. Um, Bill Hybels calls it holy discontent. And you know what? Sometimes I just want to say, God, use me. Use me. If you want God to start something in you or fan something into flame in you, revive you, I invite you to come as the worship team sings.